in this year of goodness, uh, we're taking school holidays uh, to look at the book of Proverbs. It's a practical book full of wise sayings of how to live well in God's world. And it also happens to be my last sermon at the Bridge Church. And the final one, the final topic, is on anger. After seven years and 111 sermons, I'm going out with anger. So, I've titled this sermon, 21 Reasons How We've Disappointed Each Other Over the Year. No. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. We thank you for this time we have together. And we ask, Lord, knowing that you've just spoken to us in Proverbs and Ephesians, that you would, by the power of your Spirit, open our hearts to receive what you've said to us and to live accordingly. For our good and your glory. Amen. A number of years ago, the ABC wrote an article uh, called, Where is the Love? The Sad News About Your Facebook Feed. And what they did was when Facebook introduced uh, different reactions beyond the like, uh, they tracked it. So when they introduced, for example, the angry face, the sad face, the wow face, the ha-ha face, and all those kind of things, they tracked what was the most popular reaction to a whole bunch of Facebook posts. And when they did, looked at the data, the number one reaction was angry face, by and large. Sad came in second, and then ha-ha and last love. The conclusion was, we as a society are an angry society, we just don't think we are. But we don't need Facebook to tell us that. I mean, you might be the guy whose temper flies off at the drop of a hat. You might be the mum who loses her cool because the kids keep coming to you and miss their father. You might be the employee who's had enough of their boss. You might be a kid in the room and your brother or sister snatches things from you and you get angry. You might have a roommate who's noticing that you're doing all the work and they're doing nothing, and it's exasperating. You might have a friend who everything is going well for them and the eyes keep rolling. Ugh, another thing. You might have an elderly parent who is frustrating you because they're not listening to the changes that they need to make. You might have a neighbor who points out every problem with your property and ignores theirs. Proverbs has something to say to us. As angry people living in an angry world who experience other people's anger. So we're going to look at three things. Firstly, the impact of anger. Secondly, the heart of anger. And then thirdly, the, how to control your anger. So that's how, the impact of anger. And a, a proverb that really needs very little explanation. It's on the screen. Proverbs 29, verse 22. It says this, An angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. It's pretty obvious, right? The more anger equals the more conflict. The more heat with that anger the more sins flow from it. And this is really getting at hot anger, sort of that yelling, that rage, losing your cool, where you erupt, you explode, and the result of that is many sins, where you belittle others, you swear, you name call, where people around you live in fear, walking on eggshells, they're afraid you'll erupt onto them. Some of you think, that's me, that, that's my experience, that's my reaction. But it's interesting, Ed Welch wrote a book on anger called A Small Book About a Big Problem. And he says when we think of anger, we just think generally hot anger. But there's actually two other types of anger that are experienced. Another type is cold anger. This is passive-aggressive. 
This is where something happens to you and you give the person the silent treatment. You withdraw, you're indifferent, you give them the cold shoulder, you keep score. It's kind of like an iceberg. There's the tip, but there's a whole bunch of things happening below the surface. Uh, Proverbs 6 says this, A troublemaker winks maliciously with his eye, signals with his feet, motions with his fingers, who plots evil with deceit in his heart and always stirs up conflict. See, cold anger is, you know they're angry, not by what they do, but what they don't do. And the impact is you're not sure where they stand with them. You sort of walk on eggshells as well. You're uneasy and you feel awful. But unlike hot anger where you've got something to fight back against, cold anger you don't. Because you're friends with them one moment, then you're not, and then you are again. But there's a third type of anger, covert anger. This is low-level anger, but it's constant. It comes out in sarcasm where they say something, but their tone does not match it. They say things like, we're just kidding, or everything's fine, everything's fine, and it's not. There's grumbling, complaining, gossiping. It's a constant set of being annoyed, frustrating, frustrated. The eyes roll. Proverbs 26 says, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is the one who deceives their neighbor and says, ah, I was only joking. And the impact is a constant feeling of unsettledness. See, unlike cold and hot anger, where you get moments of relief, this you don't. Being around someone with covert anger, it's exhausting because there's always a problem with the world, with that person, with work, with church. Now, it's interesting, when I mentioned being in a sermon that this is going to be a sermon on anger, I wonder if you thought, ah, oh, it's not going to be really relevant for me. It's for the person sitting next to me that I don't have a problem with anger. But as I describe that hot, cold, covert anger, the reality is every single one of us in this room battle with anger. It just comes out in different ways. Which one of these, when you're hurt in particular, do you gravitate towards? Hot anger, cold, covert. Which one of these do you see yourself in? Or better yet, what do others experience from you? What's life like on the other side of you? That's the impact of anger. Secondly, the heart of anger. Here's the important thing, friends. Anger is essential. In Ephesians 4, it says this, In your anger, do not sin. Notice it doesn't say, don't get angry. Now, we shouldn't be angry in our, as a sin for inner anger, but the problem and the solution is not no more anger. No, no, no. Because as long as there is sin around, there should also be anger. I mean, what's the right reaction to the following? Betrayal, lies, defamation, hypocrisy, slavery, laziness, murder, abuse, cheating, stealing. The right response should be anger. It should not be meh. Because meh, apathy, is saying that which is bad is not bad and that's bad. Anger done right brings a whole bunch of good to say that's wrong and seeks to protect the innocent and helpless. It goes to the police. It takes action. It stops what should not be happening from happening. Because if you don't care, you're not going to get angry. You might not be an overreactor, but sometimes an underreactor can be just as worse. 
because you're ignoring what should be ignored. And this is why, friends, God gets angry. When God came to this earth in Jesus Christ, He showed anger. There's the classic temple scene where they turn these, the Father's house into a business venture. But it's not the only time. I mean, there's Jesus with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees don't want him to heal a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, it says in Mark 3, he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the men, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and the hand was completely restored. That is righteous anger. Where wrong is happening to others, the response should be anger. But there is something different about Jesus' anger. He was never angry when he was personally violated against. His anger was always for others. His father's glory, the mistreatment of the sick, the prevention of little children coming to him, a death for taking his best friend Lazarus. But when it came to him and his situation, it says this in 1 Peter 2, when they hurled insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And this is Jesus, the judge of the world. But he gives up his right to judge to his father. He doesn't, in his own hands, lash out. In your anger, do not sin. Jesus is the only one who could say, tick, done. Because the reality is, in our anger, we sin all the time. Because the heart of anger is good, but our hearts are not, if we're honest. We retaliate. We react. And the question is why? Why is it that we get angry? Now, if you were to answer that question, you'd probably point to a whole bunch of things. What makes you angry? Screaming kids, my boss, neighbours, teachers, traffic, people who don't indicate, people who talk during, during movies, people who say H instead of H, <laughs> cyclists who think they're cars, slow Wi-Fi, flies, unflushed toilets when I drop the yoghurt. You know, all these things we point to, that makes me angry, right? But to be honest, that's not why we're angry. Uh, a couple of, in our house every day, kids come down for breakfast and there's a bench, a breakfast bar where it has three stools. And they come down and every morning, without fail, there is a big fight that happens because they want one stool in particular. And they have hammer and tongs and they fight over it. Who gets to sit in that seat? Now, this is not a holiday house, right? This is a house we've lived in for five years, but there is still the same fight every day. They can't remember where their shoes went but they can remember who sat in that stool two years ago, right? And just a couple of weeks ago, same fight happened. But I lost it at them. I was too harsh. And I, what are you doing? And I just lost it. I apologised. I said sorry. But then I think, why did I lose it at them in that day and not the day before? Why was I too harsh in that day and not any other day? Because it's the same fight, same children, same issue. I realized on that day I had to have a very hard partial conversation with someone. And I was scared. And I was anxious. 
And instead of dealing with that anxiety in a healthy way, instead of disciplining my kids in a healthy way, that came out in a very unhealthy way, and it landed, sadly, on my children. You know, we point to outside causes all the time, but we need a point here. You may point at your spouse, the boss, the traffic, the drop yogurt, the, the friend, your adult children, of why it makes you angry, but deep down, friends, it's a fear of what people think. And insecurity is exposed. We're not in control. Our old wounds gets opened up, worried about money, whatever it is, your point here, there's something going on and often anger comes out of that and it lands on people it shouldn't, often the nearest and dearest. You think about the last time you're angry. What made you angry? What are you pointing to? It is helpful to reflect and say, what, what was happening in here? Because the heart of anger, our hearts of anger, people get hurt. Proverbs 12 says, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. You know, when we lose it at other people, it's not a bad day. It's not just a parent fail, I've got a short fuse or I need more coffee. We need to call it for what it is, and that is sin. And it does damage. This is where God's anger meets ours. See, God has every reason to be angry with us. I mean, we may have forgotten it, but there is a long list of people in our lives that in our anger we have hurt. Through hot anger, interrupting being angry, passive-aggressive anger, cold anger, covert anger, in all sorts of ways, there is a long list of people that we have hurt in our anger. And God, when it comes to that list, is not meh. He's rightfully angry at us. But here's the difference about God's anger now. It says in Exodus 34, God is slow to anger and abounding in love. Those three words, slow to anger, in the original Hebrew, you know what it means? God is long of nostril. It's the picture. Because when you're angry, what do you do? <sighs> right? That's what you just breathe and you let it out. But the picture in the Bible is God has a long nose. In other words, it takes a long time for God to get angry. He is not spur of the moment. <clears throat> no, no, no. His anger is slow. It simmers. It's measured. It's controlled. It is right. But it is rightfully coming to us for the way we've treated people he's made. So what are we to do? It's the story of a father who took his boy camping, first time, out in the bush in January. They had a great couple of days. And on the last morning, they woke up and smoke. They could smell it. And they looked on the hills, and there was a massive bushfire coming towards them. The wind was in their direction. The exit point was that way. They were cut off. They knew, as they looked around, the wood was dry, the wind was strong, and that fire was coming to them quickly. The son looked at the dad. He was petrified. The father looked at the son. He tried to hide his fear. But then he did something which confused his boy. 
he got out matches and started to light the grass that was around them and started to burn the fire. And the son's looking at him, what are you doing? Why are you creating another fire? There's a fire coming. But he started burning the grass that was around him. And so much so made a patch the size of this building. And as that fire grew closer and closer and closer, the father grabbed his son, ran into the burn patch and held him. And the fire, as it came, it hit the burn patch, but there was no fuel to burn, and so it burned around them. And the father and son were saved. The point is this. In order to be saved from fire, you need to go where the fire has already burnt. And you and I, as sinners, there is only one place that we can go to find safety from God, from his anger. And that is the place where the fire is already burnt, the cross. Because Jesus Christ, right, there is no reason for his father to be angry with him. He was perfect, and yet on that cross willingly took all the sinful anger that you and I have done on himself. That time you lost it for the hundredth time at someone you shouldn't, I'll take that, Jesus said. At time you were passive-aggressive for weeks on end, of that, but I will take that. That time you berated that person, if you're insecure, I will take that. And he took every sin on himself as well as the right anger of his father. He took the fire. So you and I did not. If you're a Christian here this morning, I'm sorry, if you're not a Christian here this morning, then know this, God loves you, but he's also angry with you. And the only hope that you have is to go to the place where the fire is already burnt, and that is the cross. But brothers and sisters, for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus, because of the cross, there is only just love God has for us. His anger towards us is no more. Because of his son, the Lord Jesus, who took the entire weight of God's wrath on himself, God is no longer angry with us because there's nothing to be angry at. Now, you might be thinking, that's good news, but how would that motivate me to change? Well, how, how does that inspire me to, to deal with my anger? And it's interesting because we often think that I need fear or God's anger to bring about change in my life. But that's not how Christianity works. We trust that God's anger, because the Lord Jesus towards us, is no more. That you don't have to walk on eggshells when you're around God. He wants you to know that his anger towards you is gone because of the cross. And his love for you is constant. And that and that alone will motivate you to deal with your anger. So thirdly, controlling your anger. James 1 says this, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How do we do that? A couple of ways. Firstly, you need to get angry with God. Don't bottle up your anger and pour it out in the wrong people. Do what David Powell says, who wrote a book on anger. He says this, Angry people always talk to the wrong person. They talk to themselves, rehearsing the failings of others. They talk to the people they're mad at, reminding them of their real or imaginary failings. They talk to the people not involved, gossiping and slandering. 
but your anger will dissolve only when you speak to the right person, your good shepherd, who sees and hears and is mercifully involved in your life. In other words, friends, we pour out our anger on all the wrong people, except for the one we should. And this is where the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, a collection of songs really just have three words in mind, talk to God, and particularly talk to him when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when things are not going the right way, to vent to him, to be raw and real with him. Don't censor your feelings when it comes to God. Bring it to him. And friends, the times that I've done this, whether I'm in the car or looking out over the ocean or whatever it is, and just let God have it, right? I'm fed up with this. I'm frustrated with this. I've noticed that I'm less angry with those who are close to my life. God invites you to be real and angry with him. And it stops you from letting that anger onto others. So be angry with God. Another thing, don't let your anger fester. In Ephesians 4, it says, Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. See, if you don't deal with your anger, it's amazing how it just evolved into bitterness and resentment, something which Satan loves. Honesty moment in my marriage, right? Charlie and I, we fight, right? I know some people, last time I shared this, some people were shocked, but you're a pastor and doesn't exempt. And there's sometimes when we're fighting and it's late at night, right? And we just say, look, we've just got to go to bed. And yet this verse says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. John Piper was helpful for me in this, where he says, this verse doesn't exempt Eskimos for six months of the year in North Pole from dealing with their anger, right? The idea behind this verse is anger will come, deal with it quickly. It's not, the sun's going down, reconcile, reconcile, no, 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 deal with it quickly. If you're alone driving and you have that rehearsing, that rant that's going on for the person who is exasperating you, you know that? Some of you are nodding, right? You're doing that. Stop yourself. Catch yourself doing it. And one thing I find helpful is just say, all right, I'm going to look for five trees, one, two, or, or like, I'm going to look for five Toyotas, or because long and all short, maybe five BMWs, it's quicker. So just, there's one. There's another. And what you're doing as you're doing that is you're bringing yourself out of this world into the real world, not letting anger fester. When it comes to other people, right? I mean, I thought for many years I had anger under control, then I got married, then I became a parent, then I became a pastor, right? The more people in your life, the more responsible your opportunities it is to get angry with people. And unless you're going to live life on an episode of alone for the rest of your life, you have to learn to deal with it. And the easy option is just to sweep it under the rug. It's like if you clean in the kitchen, you see a bit of raw chicken on the floor. The easy option is just to sweep it under the rug. But you know in weeks to come what that raw chicken's going to turn into, yeah? And when it comes to the anger that's in our life, you can just sweep it under the rug, but it will fester and it will grow into something you don't want. And so it may involve, I need 10 minutes breather. I need to go for a run. I need to eat something so I'm not as hangry. I'm too tired. Whatever it might be. But the heart of the practice is seek to resolve it. It means talking about it even when you don't want to talk about it. Listening even when you don't want to listen. 
raising things that you just don't want to raise. And it takes energy and humility and patience. But the key thing is this, repentance. Repentance and forgiveness. My dad, Maltese, short fuse, he battled with anger. And he said this publicly, so I don't mind sharing it. But growing up with an angry dad, some of you know what it's like. There's a fear, there's a worry, there's an unease of what's going to spark him. But I tell you what made family life safe and healthy and good is because when I knew that that anger would erupt, I also knew something else was coming. A genuine, heartfelt, I'm sorry. Words like, I'm sorry, James, I shouldn't have reacted the way I did. Now, you shouldn't have done that, but there was no excuse for the way that I treated you. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Those words brought life. You know, the Spirit, as I saw it in his life, didn't give him a longer fuse. Didn't make him less Maltese and say more British. No, no, no. The Spirit changed him to be honest and real with his sin. And dealing with your anger, brothers and sisters, it will be slow. But it's not waiting for something to change that's not going to change. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll be fine when, you know, work wasn't like this, or if they weren't like this, or if I was... No, no, no. Jesus didn't die for excuses. He died for sin. And that sin has been taken away because of the cross. So we can be real and honest and say the words again and again and again, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Brothers and sisters, there was a day when anger was born. Genesis 3. And there is a day when it will end. A day is coming when Jesus returns. And all those who follow to him we're into a new world where there will be no more anger. It is heaven, a new heaven and new earth, where you'll only want to click like and ha-ha and wow. There's no traffic, no screaming kids, no dropped yogurt, no insecurities, no expectations, no sin, just joy. There was a conversation many years ago between my wife and my daughter Audrey where Charlie said, Audrey, today wasn't a good day, but tomorrow's a new day and God gives us a fresh start. And Audrey said, Mummy, things aren't good in this world. Some things will never go right. But when we get to heaven, we won't get angry at each other. We won't feel sad and there'll be lollies. She got it. There's a world coming that will be made right new, refreshed, where life will be the way it's supposed to be. And the Lord Jesus will come, the one who copped the fire so we did not, who willingly allowed the wrath to be poured on him so love could be poured out in us. And we will meet him. What an embrace that will be. What a world that will be like. For anger is no more. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we long for that day. We live for that day. 
Until then, we ask that we live in the confidence that your wrath, your anger towards us has been satisfied in Christ and we indeed are saved. Holy Spirit, we ask for the humility to be real and own what we should not have done and empower us to be people who are quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. For your glory and our good.